Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode three of Kingdom Culture, where we talk about real life struggles, the pursuit of God in our process, overcoming our past, walking out purpose, and becoming the sons and daughters God created us to be. I am your host, Kara. I'm so glad that you're joining me today, and I'm excited to take a deep dive with you into the waters of rejection and talk about how we can overcome the spirit that plagues so many of God's children. If you've listened to last week's episode, you'll remember that I talked about getting swole in the spirit and filled you in on the details of my fitness journey. It's funny how God works, you know, he is constantly surprising me with strategy and ideas, which is so incredible. And this episode is no different. The way he presented it to me was subtle and unexpected. I didn't even realize how he was tying things together until later. Let me explain. Over the weekend, I was attending a meeting with the leaders of a church that God presently has me attending and serving in. I was recently brought on as the director of children's ministry on their leadership team, which is a story within itself that I'm sure the Lord will use at some point on this platform. As I was standing in the kitchen talking to a few other people and sharing our experiences with working out, competition prep, injuries, and recovery, something dawned on me, and I knew God was setting me up to talk about it on this episode. Now, he had already given me the topic and title last week, just after I published episode two, all glory to God, and I just found it almost funny how he brought it full circle in that moment. I had this aha moment when someone asked me if I was going to do another competition. I mean, I had tossed the idea around loosely, but I remembered how miserable I was the last time, so I haven't really considered it seriously. But then I heard myself saying, you know, I might because I'm different now and I don't struggle with rejection like I used to. Do you ever have those moments where you don't even know that you think a certain way or feel a certain way or believe a certain thing until you say it out loud or it appears on the page as you write in your journal? Almost like you are just fleshing out what's already inside of you and you just don't know it yet, but it's so pure when it comes out because it it almost catches you off guard. That's how it was for me. I realized one of the reasons I spiraled out of control pre and post competition was because I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Probably not so much of a mind-blowing revelation and kind of obvious, but you know, sometimes the obvious isn't so easy to see when it's you. The simple, profound thought really made me think. The reason I competed in the past was because I was insecure, not confident in my body. I abused my body for results. I didn't honor it and celebrate it. I did it to be validated, not because I felt empowered. I did it to prove myself and I approached it from a place of striving. I wanted to be seen, noticed, chosen. And when that didn't happen, it was a huge blow that took me to a very low place and it reinforced my feelings of inadequacy, unworthiness, being unlovable, and really rejected. I wasn't good enough to be chosen, important enough to be noticed. My efforts fell short. I fell short. Rejection has always been with me since I was a little kid. I often sought attention from boys starting at the young age of five or six. 
I think it could be partly because my dad left around that time and I was seeking to be seen and loved. So I sought it through the attention of boys. Most of the time, even as I came up through middle school and high school, I would have crushes on boys who barely knew I existed, yet I was consumed with fantasy thoughts of having relationships with them. This is actually pretty embarrassing, but I really hope it helps somebody. I remember in seventh grade, I was totally in love with a boy named Tim. He was kind of a bad boy. He was a skater with shaggy blonde hair and a whatever attitude. He kind of had a John Bender vibe from The Breakfast Club. Tim had broken up with his cheerleader girlfriend and I was so happy because I liked him and I thought that we could finally get together. We had a science class together and we would talk then and he had actually come to my 14th birthday party too so I kind of felt like maybe there was a chance. (laughs) That didn't happen though. He quickly got back together with her and I was so upset. I skipped my math class and I cried for an entire period in a health classroom next to the gym. Teenage angst, am I right? But seriously, I was so crushed. I compared myself to her. She was pretty, blonde, popular, had cool clothes, and was a cheerleader. Then there was me. I was cute, but awkward. I had big, frizzy brown hair and bad, bad teeth. I had a mixture of friends, but wasn't what you would really call cool back then. I dressed terribly, and I wasn't allowed to play sports or be involved with any school activities. Now, there was a reason for that. My home life back then was really bad, and looking back, I think it was done really to keep me isolated or from telling people about what was really going on, but I digress. Compared to her, in my mind, I was so ugly and unwanted. I would never measure up to be that girl. This idea grew into a belief, and it actually went along with me for many years. It was also reinforced through other close relationships where I felt like I was in constant competition for my place and was often overlooked in favor of someone else. I ended up dating emotionally unavailable men who weren't capable or ready for a relationship. Despite this, I would pour myself into it, losing myself most of the time, only to feel rejected and a little more shattered each time it happened. What I failed to realize was I, too, was emotionally unavailable. I later learned that what I had been doing was trying to recreate my relationship with my father to find closure and get answers through relationships with these men. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, so let me reel in this point. Rejection, which is really a spirit, can be imparted to us very young, when we are little children, and when we are vulnerable. If we are left unprotected or suffer neglect or abandonment or abuse, which are all very real issues, and I believe many of us have experienced them, rejection is usually right in the mix. And it's something that we can overcome through the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get a little vulnerable here and share some personal details with you. My prayer is that it brings you comfort and healing. I do encourage you that if any of what I'm about to share speaks to you, look at it as an invitation to take it to God. Allow him to bring the insight. Let him walk it out with you and to help you see what you need to see and know what you need to know in order to heal and move on from that place of pain and hurt. 2021 has been rough. 
I mean, I know 2020 had its place for a lot of people, but for me, 2020 doesn't hold a candle to the hardship of this year. There have been many, many tears, so much questioning and confusion, so many things looking one way and then going a total different way. It's been a lot to say the least. And through it all, the Lord has really delivered me from the spirit of rejection. (laughs) Funny enough, through rejection. Or what I perceived at the time as rejection. Have you ever heard the saying that rejection is really God's protection? Well, I find a lot of truth in this. Sometimes he closes doors because it's the wrong door or it's just the wrong time to walk through it. And if we walk through when we're not supposed to, or before it's time to, we can get into some pretty sketchy situations that we either were never supposed to be in or that we just aren't ready to handle. In either case, sometimes the idea of rejection isn't rejection at all, even though it certainly feels like it in the moment. I believe that sometimes God allows us to be in situations so that we can see ourselves in them and really get a clear picture of where we really are instead of where we think we are. And sometimes in those situations, he needs to allow us to experience certain things before he brings us back out of them so we have a better understanding of our wounds and what still needs healing and attention. He is such a good father and he really does want the best for each of his children, even if it's hard to see it through the pain of the situation. There have been a few pivotal points that this year has brought That if I hadn't been quote unquote rejected, I actually wouldn't be where I am right now. I wouldn't have grown like I have and changed like I have because I wouldn't have been forced to really evaluate myself and allow God to show me the brokenness that still lingered in my heart. I wouldn't have learned to be as dependent on God as I am now and instead would have continued to look to other people to fill me up. I would have continued to apply the unnecessary and unfair pressure on others to be my everything, my source, a role only Jesus can fulfill. I wouldn't be as close to him as I am now, and I would have continued to place my own desires and thoughts and ideas in front of his will for me. I would have still held idols in my life that would hold me back from all he has for me in this season and beyond. I wouldn't have spent the majority of the year alone with him allowing him to skillfully lead me and gently show me the areas of my life that needed to change and mature, that needed to be refined, that needed to reflect him and not this world that we live in. This year, although it has been extremely painful, I have to say it's also been the most beautiful year of my life. He has broken so many barriers, torn down so many walls, made me comfortable being uncomfortable, removed fear and doubt from my life, taught me how to truly rest in him, how to trust and be trustworthy. He has taught me what real love looks like, what real intimacy looks like, what true confidence looks like, what real peace and joy look like. He has taught me how to stand, to be steadfast, how to fight, how to war, how to hear him and how to obey. He showed me who I am, so I don't need to seek validation or attention from others anymore. He has healed so many wounds, but it took a lifetime of rejection for me to come to this place. And I am so thankful for the pain and the struggle of it all because I know he is with me. And this leads me 
to another point. Scripture says that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Check out Deuteronomy 31.6 for that one. Isaiah 43.2 says, when we pass through the deep waters, he will be with us. A couple chapters back in in chapter 41, verse 10, that reads, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Ephesians 1 and 4 says that even before God formed the world, that he loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless before him. Psalm 2710 says, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which was written by the wisest man to ever live, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And one of my all-time favorite verses, what I would consider to be one of my life verses, is Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of good and not of harm, to give you a hope. In a future. But here's one that really gets me. It's when Jesus is encouraging his disciples and is telling them, hey, you know, don't worry if people hate you. They hated me first. And in John chapter one, it depicts the rejection Jesus faced when he went to his own hometown, to his own people, and they didn't receive him. Jesus was rejected. He was hated. He was slandered accused, persecuted, hunted, and murdered. But he suffered rejection so that he could understand what it feels like, so he can help us through it, so he can be able to help us find healing in it and deliverance from it. Let me tell you a quick story. In early October of this year, I found out some pretty devastating news that if I was in a different season and God hadn't been healing me and equipping me and preparing me all this year, it probably would have taken me out. Yes, it was upsetting. Very, actually. But after I cried my tears and I let myself feel all the feelings, I took it to God and I laid it at his feet. I recognized what an opportunity it was to draw near to him. I asked him to help my heart and he showed me something really amazing. He showed me that when I truly examined my heart about the situation, it wasn't rejection that I actually felt. It was a familiar feeling of rejection that tried to attach to me in that moment. But when I stood on the truth of God, that lie just couldn't stay. It was in that situation in a way that I could have never expected that I found true freedom in Jesus. It was in that moment that I realized that I can't be rejected because I am not rejected. Jesus chose to die for me. For us, from the outside looking in, it appeared as though he was murdered. But in fact, that was the plan the entire time. He was obedient to the Father's will unto death. His purpose was always to come and to die for us so that we could be saved and have salvation with him and newness of life in him. He chose to come and to suffer a death that he did not deserve so that we could be found in him, so we could be saved. So we could know him. He chose us. He chose you. He chose me. 
And if this is true, which it absolutely is, then how can we ever be rejected? The honest answer is we can't. If God is for us, who can be against us? Rejection is a lie and it is a spirit of hell, a stronghold that keeps us apart from God. It makes us run and hide and live in fear and mistrust and doubt. It causes us to operate in dysfunction and self-preservation. It literally causes us to tear our houses down with our own hands. Believe me, I've been there, done that. It's real. It creates destruction, pain, chaos, confusion, and unhealthy attachments, which lead to unhealthy mindsets and false beliefs about who we are and who God really is. But none of this is from God. When I realized that my heart was actually secure in him and that it can't be broken by the circumstances of this world, that's when I really understood his grace and what it means when it says that he came to give us life and life abundantly. What should have broken me actually grew my faith and my trust in him because I finally understood who I am and who I belong to. It's when I really began to understand his vast love for me. Now, don't get me wrong here. I am not discounting that there are real pains and traumatic experiences that happen to people every single day. But my point is, if you can shift your mindset from being a victim of your circumstances and invite God into them and ask him to show you what it's all for and the purpose behind it all, that is where you grow. That is where you heal. That is where you break free from the bondage of the spirit of rejection and the self-focused sin of it. Think about it. When you are so focused on your own feelings of rejection, it's a very self-consumed inward state of mind. You cannot see outside of yourself. You can only think about how you feel and you can only see your pain. It puts all of the attention on ourselves. It makes us the focus our pain the focus, our situation the focus, instead of Jesus, which then makes our rejection a sin because we're holding it as an idol. We are holding it over what God's truth says. We are holding it above who he is. We are placing it in front of him as the focus. But when God comes and turns it all around, that's when Romans 8.28 comes alive. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And Isaiah 54, 17 stands true that no weapon form shall prosper. We have to expect things to come our way. Weapons will be formed against our lives, but they will not prosper. Hallelujah. Our hearts cannot be broken by rejection because his heart is for our heart. And our heart has already been saved through Jesus. So this is why it's incredibly important to realize these three things. Number one, we must accept that things have, can, and will happen to us that are painful, traumatic, difficult, disappointing, and overwhelming at times. None of these circumstances will ever change the truth of what Jesus has already done. The acceptance that he already has rendered to his children through forgiveness of sins by his death on the cross. And it doesn't change that he is good and that he is in control and that he has a plan. Number two, we must understand that rejection is a spirit and that as children of God, we have authority over it. We can reject the lie. We can choose to no longer believe it or identify with it. We must repent and return to God. 
We must ask him to show us any open doors that might allow the spirit of rejection to have access to our lives. We must forgive those people who have hurt us through rejection and allow God to heal our hearts in those areas. We must ask God to really show us the truth about our identity in him and his acceptance for us and to replace the lie with his truth. And number three, we must stand on the word and actually know what it says. That means you have to read your Bible. Talk to God, pray, journal, worship, involve him in every area of your life. Let him grow you and change you and mold you. Let him heal you. Earlier, I mentioned that throughout my life, I had dated emotionally unavailable men in an effort to recreate my relationship with my father in order to find closure and get answers to relationships with these men. I didn't want to leave that point untouched because God really helped me heal from this through his answer, and I pray this sets somebody free today. What the Lord revealed to me was no one could give me those answers. First, Because my father has passed away, he physically cannot tell me. But more than that, because of his own brokenness that went unhealed his whole life, he literally wouldn't be able to tell me why because he didn't know. What he did had very little to do with me and everything to do with him and his own state of unhealed brokenness. He was just doing what he thought was right and best for him. Remember that point we made about how rejection actually is a very selfish and self-focused action, this explanation displays it perfectly. Secondly, the men that I sought answers from in relationship weren't responsible for my trauma. And to hold them responsible or expect them to give me answers that they didn't have was not only realistic, but it was unfair and unloving and unkind to everyone involved. The pressure this placed on the relationship actually created rejection, the very situation I didn't want, because that's what I knew, and that was my cycle of dysfunction. Again, it was very me-focused. I wanted answers. I wanted closure. I wanted someone to fix me and tell me that I was okay. And God had to show me that no one had the answers but him, that he is the answer. Only Jesus can save us. Only Jesus can fix our heart and renew our minds. Only Jesus can change us from the inside out. Only Jesus. Only him. No one else. He is the answer. He is the solution. He is the closure. I want to leave you with this final thought and a challenge. If this episode resonates with you at all, I challenge you to be bold and to take this to God and ask him for help. And if you haven't met Jesus yet and you want to know him, there is no better time than now. He is waiting. He has healing for you, wholeness, identity, purpose. And if you want to know him and you don't yet, let's take a moment and invite him into your life, into your situation, into your pain into your brokenness, into your insecurity, into your shame, into whatever it is that you're currently struggling, struggling with. The devil wants to keep you blind and wants to make you feel like it's hopeless and that there is no way out. But the devil is a liar. So if you are ready to step into change, 
to walk out this new life of freedom with Jesus, then I want you to acknowledge your sin and ask for Jesus to forgive you. Ask him to come and show you how to walk in freedom. Ask him to make himself known to you. For him to come and to change your heart and how you see the world and how you see yourself and how you see him. He is calling you and it's your time to answer. He is waiting for you, beloved. I pray this episode helped you and that the Holy Spirit revealed truth to you through it. Seek him for strategy to overcome. Ask for help. Be vulnerable with him. Invite him in. He isn't afraid to get dirty with you and to really work out all the kinks in your life. He is patient. He is kind. He is loving. He is generous. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is so amazing and so worth knowing. And he is more than willing to forgive you and to know you and for you to know him. Till next time, be blessed. 